0: Welcome to the Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Williams. If you want to email me, go ahead and do so at Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone at protonmail.com. That's Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone at protonmail.com. You can also follow the podcast on social media on Facebook. Follow Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone Facebook page. That's titled Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone. You can follow the podcast on Getter, Twitter, which is now X, and Truth Social, and that is R-K-Y, and then the word Freedom. That's R-K-Y, and then the word Freedom. Well, I'm hosting, well, I'm solo today, and I have an update for you about Ammon Bundy. Ammon Bundy was arrested last night, August 12th and that he was arrested at a banquet, I guess it was a banquet-slash-fundraiser in Emmett, Idaho. He was at his son's football banquet-slash-fundraiser, and the police arrested him, and he is refusing to sign a post-bail. Now, the post-bail means that he can be Bailed out, they can have a payment of ten grand, ten thousand dollars, which will mean that he will have to show up to court on Monday, or there can be a one thousand dollar bond that will guarantee the ten thousand dollar payment. Ammon Bundy is refusing to sign the post bail agreement. I will keep you updated as information comes in. Now, I have sources on the ground that I have been talking to, and I have told one of them to text me or call or text me, and then I'll call, and we can do an emergency podcast. This is a very important case. As a matter of fact, I am going to be doing some more research this week on Ammon Bundy. I'm going to be doing some more research on the FBI case in Provo that happened on Wednesday at 6:15 a.m. where the person that, that the FBI killed a person in Provo, Craig Robertson, and I'm going to do some research on that and talk about it, do commentary because I have a lot to say. I just want to do all the research, get all the facts straight before I just say things because there's one thing I know If you don't do your research and you start commenting in the public square, you could be in serious trouble. So, not only do I have opinions, but I want to research the facts and get them all to you because this isn't just about the FBI. This is about, this goes clear back to Ruby Ridge. This goes clear back to Waco. Ammon's dealing with this, Donald Trump. So, I got a lot of research to do just making sure that I have everything my. I's and T's dotted, as they would say, and I'll come back. I do want to tell you this, though. Isn't it interesting, and I don't know that there's any coincidental information or that there's any coincidence here, and I don't want to read into this too deeply, but isn't it interesting that the FBI shooting this man in Provo and killing him happened... Not too long before the 31st anniversary of Ruby Ridge. Now, is this a coincidence? I don't know. Was the FBI thinking that? I don't know. But it is interesting to note. And I'll talk more about that probably next week or shortly thereafter. Let me tell you this Back to Ammon Bundy real quick. Let me tell you this. You're going to hear a lot of disinformation about Ammon, as many of you already have. But for those of you that don't know who Ammon Bundy is or have the slightest clue of what I'm talking about, I would suggest that you go back to episode four, titled The Medical Kidnapping of Baby Cyrus. And listen to that episode, and you will find... Out who Ammon is and for those of you who have been following the case and for those of you who haven't there's a lot of disinformation out there let me just make one thing clear Ammon did not let me repeat he did not block St. Luke's from having traffic come up to their hospital and having people walk in that was said and St. Luke's probably diverted traffic And sent people elsewhere to get medical care to further the agenda. St. Luke's is very corrupt. We're going to talk all about this in another podcast. But let me just get that out there. Let me say this, too. I haven't always agreed with Ammon Bundy's tactics. You can like a person very much and disagree with their tactics. I'm not saying I disagreed with all of Ammon's tactics. I'm just saying I haven't always agreed with them. But I can tell you this, I've met Ammon, I've met Cliven, and as I said in Episode 4, I spent about, I'd say, five hours, maybe five and a half hours at the most at the Bundy Ranch in, in uh, Bunkerville, Nevada. They're good people. You may not agree with their philosophy of government, but they are good, down-to-earth people, and they are good, red-blooded Americans who want to save this Constitution. Now, are they going to be the end-all, be-all? No. But I can tell you this, the Bundys have woken up a lot of people in this country. And I used to be a Democrat, as I have stated on an earlier episode. But... The Bundys were part of what woke me up back in 2014. Part of it. There were several things I'd mentioned. But Bundys were part of it. I didn't realize the BLM, Bureau of Land Management, was that corrupt. I didn't know that at all. I just thought they were good people trying to preserve land and all those things. I didn't realize how corrupt they were till the Bundy Ranch fiasco came out. So I'm just here to tell you, you're going to hear a lot of misinformation. When the media tells you something, and I'm talking about the mainstream media, and even some of the alternative media, not all, but some, when they tell you something about Ammon, a couple things to remember. Only believe half of it. Or look to other sources where you find information and verify that yes, this is or is not true verify because the mainstream press is going to put all kinds of misinformation out there as they already have from day one. So keep that in mind. The Bundys are good people. You may not have always agreed with their tactics. They're great salt of the earth people. I had a great discussion with Clive and Bundy back in 2019, the week after Labor Day on a Tuesday. And I had a lot of good experiences at the Bundy Ranch that I can tell you about later. So keep that in mind. When you hear something about the Bundys, particularly Ammon in this case, I would highly suggest that you verify whether it's true or not. Anyway, more on that later. Let's get into a different topic. I want to talk about something here that is ratherly fascinating, and I've been told I ought to do a podcast about it. Now, I realize that this has nothing to do with freedom in the Rocky Mountains, but I think people are interested in my viewpoint because I am a completely blind person. You must know that there are... Well, there's two types of blindness. One is legally blind, which most people who are blind are legally blind, meaning that they can see a little bit, but they're legally blind. Some of you, some people may call that visually impaired. I prefer to use the words legally blind. And then there's people like me who are completely blind. Now, I'm bringing this up because it's going to lead into the discussion here. But... The reason I'm also bringing this up is because I've been around people, I have friends that have some sight, and someone will say, oh, does so-and-so have some sight? And I have to explain that there's a difference between legally blind and completely blind. And the reason for this is because back in the day, I'm guessing probably the 60s sometime, there was a civil rights leader for blind people. He was the Martin Luther King of Blind People named Kenneth Jernigan. What Kenneth Jernigan did is he met with Congress and the Senate and came up with a bill defining blindness, which was a very good idea. That way, you know, that way services can be delegated out to blind people, vocational rehabilitation, and things like that. Now, I know that's a whole nother topic for another podcast, and especially if you're conservative, but that's why... Kenneth Jardigan did this, and I think it was a very smart idea. I just wanted to put that out there, but a lot of people have been telling me I should do a podcast, so I'm going to give in. Ever since 2017, probably even before that, but I just it came to my attention in 2017, there's been a big to-do between the National Federation of the Blind and Uber along with Lyft. About having, ma- about mandating that drivers pick up guide dog users. So let's say you have a guide dog and the Uber driver refuses to pick you up. You can actually report that to Uber, and that is grounds for the driver being dismissed from the platform. I don't want to say fired because Uber and Lyft do contract work. So if if somebody works for Lyft and Uber, they are essentially contractors. However, what they can do is dismiss you from the platform. So, by law now, they have to pick you up. uh, According to the policy of Uber and Lyft, they have to pick you up or they will get fined. That is, uh, Uber and Lyft would get fined. Well, they could. So there's been this all started because the National Federation of the Blind was complaining about the guide dog users, some of them not being picked up because the driver didn't want to pick them up. Well, there might be good reasons why the driver may not want to pick up a guide dog user. Now, look, folks, I am sympathetic to guide dog users. There are plenty of responsible guide dog users out there. But there's also a lot of irresponsible ones too, and I've seen these I've seen these people in person. I'm not going to mention names, but there are irresponsible guide dog owners out there. They will act rambunctious when they're out in public. They will bark when the, they're not supposed to. And I have seen blind people yelling at their guide dogs because they didn't take a certain turn or they won't find a certain business for them. I've seen this happen. It's ugly. It's disgusting. And shame on the guide dog owner. You know, it'd be one thing if this happened once or twice. But I'm talking about owners that do this on a consistent basis. And there are people that do not take care of their guide dogs. They won't clean them up every day like they're supposed to. I know of an instance where somebody would come into a classroom and the guide dog would stink really bad. Why? Because the person didn't bathe their dog like they were supposed to. So there might be a reason why the Uber driver... Or Lyft or any rideshare driver may not want to take the guide dog user I have a solution and unfortunately the National Federation of the Blind is not going to listen to me the solution is very simple put on your profile that you are a guide dog user don't just put that on your profile put a picture on your profile of your dog And then the driver can decide whether they want to pick you up or not. Most of them will. But if they don't, it's probably, like I said, they had a bad experience with the guide dog. Maybe the guide dog stunk really bad. Maybe the guide dog was acting rambunctious. Maybe the guide dog was cheering on the upholstery. We don't know. So to come out and have the NFB file a lawsuit back in 2017 with Uber over this is absolutely ludicrous. What the NFB should do is work with Uber on solutions. And this is a complaint that I've had with the NFB for quite some time. They seem to be very sue-happy. Now, I know the NFB will tell you, oh, the last thing we want to do is sue somebody. Well, that's probably true. But have you noticed... The NFB, and I, I, I should say this, the, NA, the National Federation of the Blind has been very hostile to Apple, in my opinion. In my opinion. In 2015, no, 2016, they approved of a resolution that the beta that comes out from Apple before the Apple iOS version gets released, the beta has to be accessible Oh, no, I'm sorry, the software, the iOS itself has to be accessible, not the beta, but the actual final version. Well, that sounds good and all, but there are reasons I'm against it. The reason I'm against it is because a lot of bugs don't get reported in beta. A lot of people just say, you know, there's certain people out there that will have beta just to say that they have it I'm sure I'm sure a lot of people do report bugs there's some that don't and there's some that don't get reported until the final release and Apple's pretty good about this they're pretty good about listening to the customers but you notice that the NFB never hounds on Microsoft they never hound on Freedom Scientific yes sometimes they'll hound on Amazon why Follow the money. I don't know that Apple's given the National Federation of the Blind Money. Now, I haven't been to an NFB convention in quite some time. But every convention I have been to, you never, ever, ever see an Apple vendor. You might see somebody from Google. You'll see somebody from Amazon. You'll see somebody maybe from another service. Microsoft, but I have never ever ran into a table, a booth from Apple. In my opinion, this is my opinion, the National Federation of the Blind is hounding on Apple because maybe they don't receive money from Apple. But back to Uber, this is just an example of how sue-happy the NFB can be or how much they want to dictate to what's happening in the blind community. So this is the same thing that happens with Lyft and Uber. The NFB got together, and I'm sure other blind organizations did this too, not just the National Federation of the Blind. They got together and decided to file a lawsuit against Uber. Meanwhile, Uber had a town hall meeting, or the National Federation of the Blind had a town hall meeting, I believe it was July 27th, July 28th, something like that. I was not there because I had other obligations to fulfill. I wanted to be there just to give my two cents worth, but I wasn't able to attend it. Nor have I heard from anybody about how this went. But folks, we've got to be reasonable here. We can't just put a blanket statement or just do a one-size-fits-all here. Now, somebody will say, well, Kevin, taxi drivers have to pick up guide dog users. Yes, yes. And I think that there could be something worked out there too. Folks, we're in a day and age that I had I did not I did not vision. I didn't vision service dogs acting wild in public. And I've heard stories of this happening. And I'm not talking about guide dogs, I'm talking about service animals. Somebody might have a service animal because they have anxiety. So the dog makes them relax. Uh, Must people with muscular dystrophy have service animals to pick up objects that have fallen on the floor, something like that. We're in a day and age where we read stories now about service animals acting wild and crazy at a restaurant or in public. Now, I haven't witnessed this personally, but I've read stories about it. And so what happens? Those people ruin it for the rest of the service dog owners, including guide dog owners, that are responsible. I would say that most people, well, I would say a good majority of people are responsible with their guide dogs. There are those that are not. And they're the ones that get the most attention. And so we have to be reasonable. We can't just file a lawsuit against Uber and Lyft or any other rideshare application out there. Because so-and-so didn't get picked up with a guide dog. We have to be reasonable. And I want to talk about another thing, too. I want to talk about accessibility. There is a big to-do in the blind community about suing people, certain companies, because they are not accessible. Now, I have something to say about this, and I have some background. Now, this has been going on for years. I would say at least over a decade, probably two decades. I'm not sure that a lawsuit is the best way of handling that either. Although I can understand why the blind community would sue somebody over accessibility, but I'm not sure that it's necessary all the time. Let me give you an example of where I'm coming from. And I think that there's probably more to the story than what we're being told. The National Federation of the Blind, I actually was at a Washington seminar. What a Washington seminar is, is a bunch of blind students get together around the end of January, first part of February, and go to their representatives or congressmen, senators, and lobby for certain things. For example... I have been known to lobby for a higher increase in Social Security, just as the elderly do. Not just with that, but I have been known to lobby for the fact that you can still work and keep your Social Security and be on the same page as an elderly person that retired. What's happening now is, yes, if you're blind, you can work and still keep your Social Security, which I think is a good idea. But the way I understand it, the elderly can make more and keep their social security where the blind community cannot. And so we were lobbying to get rid of that gap between the elderly and the blind people. Now, some conservatives will say, well, why would you want to do that? Well, first of all, the system is the way it is. Second of all, it'll give people a hand up instead of a hand out that's why I was okay with lobbying for it. Anyway, I was at this uh, Washington seminar, I believe it was back in 2007, I think. And I was at a student seminar, because they have a student seminar on Sunday morning, sometimes on Saturdays, but I went to the one on Sunday back in 2007. And I raised my hand and asked about accessibility with cell phones. Now, back in the day, around this time, you had to pay about 500 $600 to get your cell phone accessible. Not only that, but you had to buy a certain kind of cell phone, a certain brand. Not just a Nokia cell phone, but a different model of a cell phone. And then you had to send your phone to the factory, a factory, and they would install it for you. And then you'd get your phone back. Or you could probably go to a dealer if a dealer lived near you. It was just a really, really irritating process. I never participated in this, but there were also cell phones that you could buy off the shelves that were reasonably accessible. Not completely, but reasonably. And we're going to talk about that here shortly. But I raised my hand and said... What are we going to do about cell, more cell phones being accessible? And I meant completely accessible. Not just accessible enough to where it'll read, the, it'll say a number of someone who, who's calling, or it'll read you a text. I was talking about completely accessible. The president of the National Federation of the Blind at that time, Mark Maurer, said that he was working on it he said that he did not like the iPhone. And what he was referring to is that it was not accessible. It was all touchscreen, still is. There is no screen reader or anything like that. He also said that once the iPod was accessible, he thought that the iPhone would become accessible. And actually, he was right. But here's the kicker. The National Federation of the Blind... Put out a threat, threatened a lawsuit to Apple. And a day later, the iPhone became accessible. That tells me that there was something going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. Rather Apple and the NFB were working together and put out that lawsuit to tell them to hurry up or whatever. I don't know. Now I'm not complaining. I love my iPhone. I'm glad it's accessible. But I don't know that a lawsuit's always the best way. Sometimes I have very mixed opinions about it. Let me give you an example of another issue. Before the iPhone was even accessible. Long before. This is back, I believe it was back in 2003. It had to have been. The American Foundation of the Blind. I got this on good authority, by the way. The American Foundation of the Blind threatened lawsuits to cell phone companies like Verizon Wireless, VoiceStream, which turned into T-Mobile, Sprint, AT&T, all the big providers out there. There was a lawsuit that was being, well, there was a threat of a lawsuit for all of these providers. And I know, I don't know what the other companies did, but I know specifically Verizon Wireless did this because I talked to a an accessibility specialist at Verizon Wireless at the time. And we had a very, very lengthy conversation. And what Verizon did is they emailed all of the manufacturers and told them what was going on. Well, LG... You know, the appliance maker and the former phone manufacturer that used to make droids? Well, LG stepped up to the plate and made their phones accessible. What they did is they made it accessible enough to the point where you could hear who was calling. The phone would tell you who was calling. So it might tell you the phone number, or it might tell you the person's name, if you have the person's name stored in your phone. And you could hit, I think, a certain key. Yes, you could hit a button on the side of your phone to put it in drive mode. And that way it would, it would always tell you who was calling. You could also... It was a clam phone, if you remember those flip phones. It was a clam phone, so you could lift up the lid of your phone. We called it a clam phone because it looked like a clam shell. You could lift up the lid of your phone, and you pushed a button on the side and say, Please say a command. And I'd say, Call someone. And it'd say, Please say a name. And I could say, for example, Ammon Bundy. And it would say, Did you say Ammon Bundy? And I said, Yes. And it'd say, Calling. That's all it did, but my gosh, folks, this is better than nothing. I was ecstatic about it. I bought one. In fact, for many years before I had the iPhone, I was a really loyal customer to LG, and I let them know it. I let them know it through emails, phone calls, whatever. I let them know that I was a very loyal customer of theirs. So I have very mixed opinions sometimes about these lawsuits that come down but in the in the case of Uber and Lyft I think that the blind community needs to be a lot more reasonable. Now some will say, "Well Kevin, should it be mandatory then for hotels and elevators to be accessible to have boil on them?" Yes, I have a different take on that, and I know many of you conservatives are going to disagree with me. Yes, it should be, and I'll tell you why. That Bolsters or that boosts that boosts the independence of a blind person. That makes them more independent, just as much as a sighted person. So I don't have a problem with that being mandated. Yes, it's expensive. Yes, there are some issues, but all in all, it does give, it does give the blind person a lot more independence. For example. And I've had this happen. I've been at hotels. I've called someone and they'll say, meet me at room such and such. You know, Meet me at room 103. Meet me at room 425. Or meet me at room 2504. So I go up to the 25th floor, find it on the elevator, push the button. It saves me from doing all the counting. And then I can figure out, okay, the, I can figure out the grid system of the hotel, the even numbers are on this side, the odd numbers are on this side, I can go find it real quick. That's just making the blind person more independent is what that's doing. I will tell you this, though. In issues like this, mandating hotels, other buildings that are available to the public put boil on their rooms, you know, put Braille right by the doors of the rooms or on the door itself before you walk into the room, you know, the outside of the door. I will tell you this, mandating that and having Braille on the elevators, we have to be extremely careful here. As much as I am for that mandate, for reasons I just mentioned We've got to be extremely careful, because President Reagan did say, and he's right, if you give the government an inch, you give them a mile. So we have to be extremely careful on these mandates. This is where the mandates get very dainty. I will say this, too. The Americans with Disabilities Act should have been passed a different way, rather than through Congress and the Senate and President Bush signing it constitutionally, we should have had a constitutional convention or something like a constitutional convention to mandate this, or it should have been up to the states. And then once states mandated it, other states would do something similar. But that's a whole other topic. And I know I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here, being a conservative, but I think if we're going to boost the independence of a blind person we sometimes we have to do things like put boil on the outside of a hotel room now if the company but i think in a situation like that we have to be very careful the difference though between that and absolutely mandating accessibility is this technology has changed so much for blind people as I've stated I had be my eyes read me the menu somebody uh, volunteer from be my eyes i I can have uber you know technology has changed so much that I'm not I'm not convinced that a mandate is as necessary as it once was there are touchscreen washers and dryers out there that I've used and thanks to the applications such as Be My Eyes and Lyft, or I'm sorry, Be My Eyes and uh, Ira, then I can have them read into my camera what is on the touch screen and where I can put my finger. I've done this over and over and over again. Now some of you might say, well, Kevin, why didn't you get it boiled? Well because I'm in an apartment complex and I don't want to be a burden on the complex and put boil on the machines and just have somebody rip it off eventually because that's essential that's what would happen. I guarantee it. So I just assume have somebody from IRA or be my eyes, tell me what button is the start button, what button is the wash button, what button, to, what button changes the temperature and all that. There's a big difference. And again, when if we're going to, you know, mandating Braille on hotel rooms and other public building places, we just have to be extremely careful there. We're talking about a whole different situation here with Uber and Lyft. We're talking about a whole situation where somebody had a bad experience with a guide dog or any service animal, and therefore the driver doesn't want to pick them up because they don't want to have to get their car detailed, they don't want to have to get their car fixed or whatever. Yes, I know Uber has offered X amount of money if the guide dog ruins the car, but that also means less business. That means that they have to—that means they have to sacrifice business for a day or for a few hours while they're getting their car fixed or detailed when in fact they could be making more money those are totally different things that's like comparing apples and oranges so that's completely different back to the accessibility issue though and then I will finish up this podcast Back to the accessibility issue. There are websites that are not accessible. I'll give you an example, and I don't mean to pick on this company, but I will mention their name, Rumble. As good as Rumble is, and as much as they have good videos, they are awful when it comes to accessibility. Yes, I can get it to work, but it is so primitive I had to be creative on getting it to work, and the website doesn't even work entirely. For example, if I want to go to Rumble and watch a video, I have to uh, I have to use a completely different screen reader other than JAWS, which is the main screen reader that most blind people are using. I have to use a screen reader called NVDA. It's a free screen reader. It doesn't work as good as JAWS, but it's a free screen reader. And I have to use a different browser, maybe Firefox or Brave. Google Chrome might actually work. I don't think I've tried it with Google Chrome, but I know I have to use NVDA with one of the browsers. Even then, when I want to play a video, Jaws just reads the words clickable. And I had to find out what clickable was, so I hit enter. But now I can't get I can get to where it might say theater mode or something, but it doesn't read me what the buttons are. It doesn't say play, rewind, fast forward. And they need to work on that. So here's what the blind community has every... But do I think a lawsuit is necessary for Rumble? Absolutely not. But here is what the blind community has every right in the world to do. We have every right to email a company such as Rumble and say you're not accessible. We would encourage you to make your website and application accessible because the application's not that accessible either. We would encourage you to do it, and if enough blind people emailed them, I think they would. Especially if a blind person knew somebody personally at Rumble. That's even better. The blind community also has every right to post on social media that Rumble or whoever is not very accessible and encourage them to call them. A blind community can even boycott certain websites or certain companies that are not accessible. We have every right to do that if we want to, or if I want to, or if anyone wants to. But what I don't think should happen is a lawsuit right away. not Maybe not even ever. Because what that does is it sets a bad precedent. That'll make companies, oh, we got to do this, we got to do this. It might even postpone some innovations for a while. Or what it might do is it just might discourage somebody from going into business creating something because they don't have enough money to make something accessible at the moment. So it gets to be very dicey here. Let me give you a personal example of something that happened to me a few weeks ago, and I have not done a follow-up on this. I should, but I just haven't. I went to a casino here in Billings. I'm not going to mention the name because I don't want to get I don't want to get sued or anything like that. I don't have permission to mention their name. But I went to a a casino here in Billings a few weeks ago because I wanted to get something to eat. And they do have pretty good food over there. I went to the website and could not read their menu with JAWS or NVDA because it's a JPG file, also known as JPEG. So... I happen to have a piece of technology where I can press the call button on the application and it'll call somebody. And it's a video chat service. And one of the things that they can do is they can read on my phone through my or they can read on my computer screen through the phone camera what's on there. Or they can tell me where I'm at because they have a GPS dashboard unit on their end. Or there's also another app that I can use. And I can mention the name of this company, Be My Eyes where the volunteer will answer at the other end, and it's a video they can see out of the camera. It's not as sophisticated as another company called Ira that I mentioned at first that has the dashboard and the GPS and all that. Uh, they know where you are through your GPS, and they have a dashboard, they have maps, and all kinds of things at their disposal. But Be My Eyes is a volunteer-based app where people will answer at the other end, and they will you can say, what does this say? And they'll read it to you through your phone camera. Well, I happened to use Be My Eyes that day before I went to the casino. And I said, can you pull up the menu for this place that I want to go to and see what's there? They read me the menu. Now, I don't know if they read me the whole menu or not. I don't know if the whole menu was actually on the website because some of those companies, some of those restaurants don't have the whole menu. But I had enough information to decide what I wanted before I even went there. Now, when I went there, I did talk to the manager of the casino and said, your menus are not accessible. You know what she said? She said, oh, we'll work on that. Now, I don't know if they have or not. I don't know what's going on because I have not done a follow-up. And a company, there's a third-party company that makes their website, and the third-party company puts their menu out there. And so I should probably call the company or the casino and say and ask what's going on. Okay, I have every right to do that as a blind person, and I think blind people should do that. If something's not accessible, they should make it known to the company and on social media and wherever. I don't think the lawsuit is always a good idea. I just don't for reasons that I had mentioned. I want to know what you think about this. I'm going to put a poll in here because this podcast is on Spotify. I'm going to put a poll. Uh, Should companies be sued for not being accessible for blind people? I don't know how I'm going to word it. I'm going to have to think of a way to word it. I want to see if I get any response. And I want some good discussion out of this too. So feel free to email me. That would be... Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone at ProtonMail.com. That's Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone at ProtonMail.com. Also, you can follow the podcast on Facebook. The Facebook page is Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone. Or on Twitter, Gitter and True Social. I guess it's now X, Gitter and True Social. You can follow this podcast at RKY Freedom. That's RKY and the word freedom. That's at RKY freedom. No spaces, commas, or any of that. Just at RKY freedom. You can post in the comments what you think. You can listen to this podcast. I'd be curious to know because there's a lot of discussion about this, a lot of debate in the blind community. I'd be interested in a sighted person's viewpoint. All right, folks, next week we're going to do, well, I'm not sure what's coming up next week yet, but eventually we're going to talk about Ammon, the FBI, Donald Trump, and all that. We've got some good podcasts coming up. Whatever the topic is next week, I will be here next week. Therefore, I will talk to you later, folks.